And welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It's a joy to see all of you gathered here today. Uh, if you are joining us with, if you are joining us from online, please take a moment and leave a comment so we will know who is worshiping with us. And if you are in person, you will find pew pads at the end of your pew um, where you can register your attendance. If you would drop those off in the offering plate later in the service, we would appreciate that. Speaking of your pew pads, in your pew pad today, you will find your brackets for March Madness. There are 16 hymns that have been nominated by the praise band staff and some choir members. And um, we're going to narrow it down to eight and four and two. And on Easter, we'll find out the favorite hymn of First United Methodist Church. These hymns will become the... Um, basis for a sermon series this summer. So if your pew is packed and there's not enough um, March Madness brackets, you can find some uh, in the pew pads in front of you or behind you. Uh, please make sure you pick up a weekly sheet as you leave. I understand we had run out, but there's some now. Uh, and find out all things First United Methodist and what's going on this week at church. Let us prepare ourselves for worship. Lord, you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You do not deal with us according to our sin, but you deal with us in love and grace. And for that, we are so blessed. And we come to you this day asking that you would pour your love and grace upon us and renew us in this time of worship. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
remain standing as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. The words can be found in your bulletin or on the screen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. offering. Uh, I just want to remind you that on first Sundays, because it is Holy Communion Sunday and we value children, we invite children to stay in worship instead of going to children's church. Children, if you need a busy bag, they are available at uh, in the Narthex and Chestnut Street and you can go get one in a moment. Let us prepare ourselves to receive our morning offering. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, all things come from you, and with praise and thanksgiving, we return to you what is yours, giving thanks for your abundant blessings. We ask that you bless these gifts which are received by this church. May they expand our witness of your love and your grace until all should know. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will worship God with our morning offering. Thank you. 
may be seated. This morning, as we go to our time of congregational prayer, I have a praise report and um, a strong ask for members of this congregation. My praise report is that Catherine has been working hard with confirmation for, for this year. And we have 15 students signed up for confirmation. I am very excited. If you're not familiar with confirmation, it's a time in the life of the church where students learn about their relationship with Jesus and um, the Wesleyan faith and what it means to be a member of the church. And at the end of the time, the students will have the opportunity to discern if God is calling them to deepen their relationship with him and become a member of the church. So 15 students, that is wonderful. But with that, we need 15 confirmation members, mentors, excuse me, 15 confirmation mentors. We especially need women. So. I ask you to seriously pray about this, and uh, if you're interested or want to learn more, there are um, pieces of paper with information just outside this door at the Chestnut Street Lobby and in the Narthex. If you would pick one up and contact Catherine for more information or to let her know that you are interested. This is very important to the life of our church and the students at First United Methodist. And I ask that you pray for this process. Classes start this Wednesday, and during this time of confirmation, we're going to be praying for all the students by name during our pastoral prayer time. So let us prepare ourselves for a time of prayer. God, you are so good and so faithful. How blessed we are to be in this place today and to worship you, to bask in your holy presence and experience your love in this community of faith. How blessed we are to sit at your feet and recognize your grace for each of our lives. How blessed we are to be a part of a church that cares for students and encourages them to follow you. So with that in mind today, we lift up our students to you asking that you guide them in this time of confirmation. We pray your blessings upon Sarah and Sarah Kate, Emily, Haley, Lydia, Miko, Merritt, Anna Kate, Kennedy, Jade, Maggie, Iris, Ava, Jace, and Maddie, and your guidance upon all of us. God, you are so good. Help us as we follow you. Forgive us our sins and strengthen us on our journey. This we ask in the name of the one who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 
Amen. First United Methodist Church. And the window of focus today is not one that you will find in the sanctuary, but it's just off the narthex in the acolyte room or old bride's room or the old Williams parlor or the spiritual council room as it is known. It is the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, there are two windows in that room and this is the window that is facing the chestnut Chestnut Street. It depicts Jesus as the master teacher as he taught the Beatitudes to the multitudes. 
and it is given in memory or honor of one of the most beloved teachers of First United Methodist Church, Rena Hudson McCord. It was given by her Sunday school class and installed in 1947 and dedicated on her birthday on November 6, 1947. Rena Hudson McCord was one of the founders of the women's Sunday school class that was later named in her honor. During the peak years of her teaching, there were over 100 students enrolled in her class. She was known as strong and kind and gentle with a great sense of duty. During her first 12 years of teaching Sunday school, she only missed two days, two Sundays. She taught for 22 years. She was the wife of E.O. McCord and mother to four children. The Sermon on the Mount shows Jesus teaching the masses. And in the window, you will find all kinds of people gathered around him, including Mary and Joseph, who are in the window that's also in that room, the um, Jesus as a child, Christ as a child. This image of art reminds us as Jesus a teacher and lessons which he shared throughout his ministry. And now to the scripture which inspired the window. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look towards your word and this beautiful piece of art, we pray that the meditations of our heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus' teachings were radical. If you do not believe me, spend some time in the Sermon on the Mount in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of Matthew. These are the teachings which make traditional conservative squirm and progressive liberal squirm too. In fact, I had a friend, a preacher friend, who quoted Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount and his congregation got upset with him because they thought he was being too political. These are the teachings which challenge us and guide us in our journey of discipleship. Now, the scripture reading that I just shared was the introduction for the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of information which is contained in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of Matthew. So today we're going to take a survey of that information and look at some of Jesus' most relevant teachings so at this time, Jesus was teaching around the Galilee region, and he was drawing a massive crowd. It would be hard for people to hear him as he was teaching. So he went up a nearby hillside mountain, and he went to the top, and the people sat beneath him, below him, so his voice could carry, and he could teach a lot of people. And he had a lot to say. Practical lessons to help the people as they journeyed and followed him and tried to grow closer to God. And what is so powerful about this Sermon on the Mount and the lessons that Jesus spoke is that 
he was preaching them to the masses 2,000 years ago. These were people from rural Galilee who lived very different lives than we live today. They had a different culture, different mindset. They didn't have the technology that we have today. It was a totally different world. But as you study the Sermon on the Mount, you find that those teachings are just as relevant to us. Even though we are far away from Galilee in Jesus' time, these teachings are powerful to us today as we try to live more like Jesus. Jesus' teachings span time and context. So, what about some of these lessons? Jesus taught his followers how to deal with people they didn't get along with, their enemies. Do you have people in your life you don't like, much less do not love, that you feel oppose you and you have a difficult time getting along with? Likely there is someone coming to your mind right now. Well, Jesus taught about that. He said that we are to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. Because he says, you're no more righteous than anyone else. For God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Be more like God. It's hard to love someone you don't like, someone who's wronged you or opposes you or gets on your last nerve. It can be quite difficult. But Jesus says loving those people, that's what makes us different from the rest of the world. That's what makes us the light and salt of the world. We are different. We have experienced grace in our lives, so therefore we should show grace to others. We are modeling God's relationship with us, showing love that others, we feel they may not deserve it, but often we are at places where we don't deserve God's love. Hear Paul's words from Romans. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. And then some more words from Paul from Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Now, for some of you, you've had some deep hurts, some strong issues in your life that still wound you. And you're saying, oh, Sherry, that is easier said than done. I've tried it, and I can't get there. I understand. Sometimes it can be very difficult. And if you are in that situation, take Jesus' advice. Pray for that person. Pray for that person. And no, you cannot pray that Jesus will smite them and give them a bad day. That is not how Jesus wants you to pray. Instead, just say, bless that person. Just when you come to a moment of anger, just say, bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so. Just ask God's blessings upon them. Start simple and ask God to bless that person and change the will of that person in your relationship. It is that simple. And in the strength of God, we can begin practicing the teachings of Jesus. What about money? You know, the people who lived in Galilee had issues with money. I believe that's why Jesus talked about it so much. And they had to pay bills. They had to pay taxes. They had to figure out 
how to make their money go so far, just like we do. And Jesus taught about money. He said that we should not store up treasures on earth where they can be destroyed, but rather store up heavenly treasures where they can't be touched. Jesus also adds that we can't focus on both money and God because then we will have divided attention. You can't serve both God and wealth. Jesus teaches that money or the stuff of this world is fleeting and will disappear. Assets will not last forever. The latest phone or the newest car can be gone with one slip. The can't miss investment can disappear with someone swindling or someone being dishonest or a crash. The have-to-have item of the moment is soon going to be replaced with another have-to-have item. Ask someone who's been through a natural disaster or a fire and they will tell you stuff can be replaced. So Jesus is saying, as you build wealth, don't build wealth for earthly consumption. You're not going to take it with you. But build wealth in a way that lasts forever, in a kingdom mindset. Build wealth with a lasting impact. Your resources can change lives to love God and love neighbor. This kind of use of resources will be blessed and will be lasting. So what about judging others? What about noticing how others have got it wrong? Just as it was long ago, it's easy to point out the flaws in others or at least perceive others' flaws. Jesus teaches us that we should worry about our own holiness instead of worrying about others. Tend to your own issues rather than pointing out the issues of others. He says, for the judgment you make will be judged and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Jesus reminds us that instead of pointing out how others get it wrong, we need to look at ourselves and worry about how we get it wrong. He calls us to remove the log from our own eye rather than being concerned about the splinter in our neighbor's eye. Pointing out how others get it wrong might be a hobby for some of us. We judge others when we think they've messed up or don't measure up or completely have it wrong. The problem is, with our judgment, is we're not the judge. God's the judge. God is the judge and jury. We don't set the standard. God sets the standard. This is the work of God. And in judging others, we neglect our own flaws. We can't control the flaws and issues of others. We can only control ourselves. So in looking at judgment, we should be worried about what we can control and worried about our own lives instead of pointing out what we can't control in the lives of others. Another area of teaching that's relevant is worry. Many of us are plagued by worry and anxiety. Jesus taught about worry in our lives. He says the birds don't worry and they are provided for. Worry can't add any time to your life. God knows, so trust God. He adds not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. With Jesus' teaching, you're likely thinking, that's nice, Jesus, but the sentiments are much easier taught than practiced. I once heard a wise saying about worry that is so true, 
Now listen closely. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep a bird from landing on your head. Now think about that. Some of you look quite perplexed, but you can keep yourself from um, digging down and lying and staying with your worry. Now, I come from worrying genetics, a long line of warriors. I often tease my parents that if they didn't have something to worry about, they would make up something to worry about. But yet, through God's grace, I've come a long way. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm a long way from where I was. And I think the key to it all is not dwelling on the future, stuff we can't control, but be fully present in the moment and not looking back to the past with regret. That's in God's hands. It's already behind us. But looking to today with the blessings of today. And if you're still having issues with worry, then I encourage you to take some advice from Paul and give thanks in all circumstances because that is God's will for us. Count your blessings. If you start counting your blessings, then it helps move worry behind you and helps move you to more solid ground. Which, speaking of that, what about acting upon Jesus' teachings? There's a lot of teachings in these three chapters. What happens when we listen and put this into practice? Well, if we put Jesus' teachings into practice, we become like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation. When the storms of life come, we will be better able to handle those storms, and we will make it through with God's grace. But if we don't put these into practice, we're like a man who builds his house upon the sand. And when the storms of life come and the difficulties come, then we don't have that firm foundation to help us through. I think of it like a gym membership. You know, when you go to a gym, you have to, you're not going to come out with a great physique and great muscles after the first time you go there. You've got to keep working at it and working at it, putting into practice. And if you don't go to the gym, what good is the membership at all? Jesus has these teachings that influence the life of people 2,000 years ago. And it's teachings which are relevant and powerful for us today. So I encourage you, over the next few weeks, spend some time in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Look toward Jesus' word. But I caution you, as you look at these teachings, don't think of them like a checklist or a report card. If I get all this right, I get an A+. Because that's not what this is at all. We don't arrive by the practicing of Jesus' teachings. We don't arrive by our merits. But we arrive by our faith in Jesus. And thanks be to God that Jesus loves us. And it was a body given for a broken world and blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Thanks be to God that Jesus not only taught his followers, but he also laid down his life for us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen.
Would you join with me in the liturgy of Holy Communion? The words can be found on the screen or in your hymnal on page 12. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Now moving to the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water in the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, 
gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as, as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ, offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Here at First United Methodist Church, we believe in open communion, and I know that some of you are visiting with us for the first time today. That means that all are welcome at Christ's table. You don't have to be a member of this church. In our tradition, we don't even believe you have to be a professing Christian. All are welcome. All who seek to be in loving relationship with God are invited to come to his table. So in a moment, we'll be serving the communion. Those who are serving and leading will be come and served first. And then you'll be directed by the ushers through the center aisle. You can come to the communion rails and uh, receive at the rail. And then you'll be dismissed together as a group to return to your seat. If you have immune issues or would prefer to receive a communion in another way than gathering at the front of the church, there are elements at the back of the sanctuary that you may have if you are immune compromised. So... Um, you are invited to come as the Holy Spirit leads, and I invite all those who are serving and leading to come and be served first.
Arise and go in peace. Amen.
If you have a prayer need in your life or would like to unite with First United Methodist Church either by profession of faith or transfer of membership, I'll be available after the service to speak with you. And just a reminder, you won't want to miss next week because March Madness continues and we'll be uh, breaking it down to eight of your favorite worship songs. And also, the Word from the Window series continues with our next window, which is in the back of the sanctuary, courtyard side, Jesus blessing the children. And now if you would stand for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Amen.